Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. So, well, happy Friday, everyone. This is the rundown with Robin Rich, where we take into the weekend by rolling through the week that was in the mortgage industry uh, every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And as always, uh, pleased to be joined by my esteemed colleague, world traveler, Rob Chrisman. Rob, good to see you. Holding on to the necktie. I love the commitment to the necktie. Well, so. somebody's got to class this show up, Rich. <laughs> it's not, you might sleep on Indians. Uh, did, uh, did Rich freeze or did I freeze? 22 it's rich, to oh, Rich froze? Oh, my gosh. Peace and quiet. Oh, here he's back. Never mind. Oh, right. We missed you, Rich. We missed you. So, uh, okay. I was just saying FHFA came out with their, their strategic plan for the next five years. And uh, not a lot of surprises in there. A lot of stuff that Sandra T and uh, others have been talking about. But uh, uh, went through it, Rob, and, and read the entire thing today. Made a bunch of notes. I'm guessing you didn't read through the entire no, I, I did. I did. did. I went to... I did. I went to the Tenement Museum, Lower East Side, uh, this morning, and then came back and read a good chunk of it. And I think, Rich, I'm going to be cynical here, so maybe you should you should tell the group, tell tell folks what you got out of it, because I'm going to be cynical. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, you want me to? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, not a, not a lot of surprises in there. Obviously, things we knew we'd see in there fair lending assessments and compliance. Um, I was pleased to see in print a strong commitment to keeping a level playing field through pricing for large lenders and small lenders. I think that's vital, uh, just to, especially our members, but you know, the mortgage market as a whole. Uh, there, uh, you know, some things that were in there that were intriguing to me, uh, leveraging a strong focus on leveraging technology to promote efficiency and cost savings, really talking about lowering the cost to originate down in any way they can through technology, using desktop appraisals as one example that they laid out a, a, a first path there. A lot of talk about <clears throat> that climate change impact, which ca- caught me off guard. Um, but you know, some pieces talking about how climate change uh, really affects the underserved and the affordable housing stock you know, much more than than any other part of housing uh, and hurricanes and the, all the crazy fires you've got out in California and floods and how that could really further impact low to moderate income borrowers and people living in affordable housing. Um, and talking about FHFA data products, it seems like that, you know, all this humda data uh, that they've been now collecting, the expanded set for some years, it feels like they're on the cusp of weaponizing some of that data. One, I think to hold lenders accountable to fair lending standards, but two, I think is a way to put some thought leadership informational stuff out there that in theory could help some mortgage lenders in different ways. But uh, uh, it was, you know, I, nothing, no big surprises. What'd you take out of it? So I, I think that you nailed it. So hat, hats off to you for summing it up so well i i read a chunk of it and i thought this is just government bureaucracy at work 
And I think that you really did a good job there of picking out the, the strong points. And, and I think those are the things, sorry, uh, those, those are good things for, for the listeners and, and the industry in general to, to have noticed. I know that when Sandra came to speak at the Mortgage Collaborative event in Miami, I heard technology being discussed. And I, I, I pulled her aside, frankly, and I said, Sandra, baby. No, I didn't say that. Uh, no, I, 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 think that, I, think that, I think that her experience with TMC and with other lenders that are out there uh, showed, showed, I think, a little bit of a shift towards technology. And there is so much data that, that the FHFA and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have that is of value. So, and it's nice to use information in terms of doing something constructive rather than let's say the CFPB using other information that not might not be so constructive or might be used to uh, negatively impact a given lender. So to see that shift and be able to use that information, I think is very, very important. But I thought, I thought you summed it up really, really well. So good job. Yeah. And, you know, I think something else that was in there was a written and stated desire and commitment to elicit the opinion of decision makers in the real estate finance industry, which I thought was great. They talked about wanting to host roundtables and uh, be at events like ours where they can get in front of and uh, get the message out to mortgage lenders and, and do what Sandra T did with our lender board of directors and sat and had breakfast with us. And literally for like an hour and 15 minutes was just very eagerly, you know, wanting to hear from CEOs of mortgage companies and leaders in the industry on, on their thoughts on a lot of these things. And another part of it, the last page of it talked to some of the challenges and risks to, es- to executing this business plan. Uh, some things in there that caught me off guard, the supply issue uh, and their lack of ability to control it. That not surprising, obviously. Um, but the climate change and the climate impact thing was in there uh, again. And also something that I really didn't think of, but is true and valid. And they spoke to the likelihood of very slow prepay speeds because of the rate climate and the the loans that are on the books and how that lowers net amortization fees and how those types of climates lead to more credit losses. So something that the GSEs have to consider being under government conservatorship, all these loans, you know, that they're servicing and holding and, you know, have, uh, uh, they, they're going to be on the books for a long time. A lot of them are moved and sold, and but there's the servicing piece of it and things like that. So I thought that was another interesting piece. So, Yeah, I, I agree. The, I, I, I correspond regularly every time I put something about climate change in my commentary, and I believe that the climate, change, climate is changing, whether it's man-made or natural, doesn't matter. It's changing. And... But every time I mention that in my commentary, I receive emails from telling me I'm all wet uh, for, for, for a, to use a polite term. But I always respond, whether or not you believe in it, investors believe in it. And when investors believe in it and decision makers believe in it, and it's impacting their bottom line or the bottom line of shareholders then it's going to impact us. And when it impacts us, it's going to impact borrowers. So whether or not you believe in climate change, I don't care. Other people do, and it's impacting the pricing of, of insurance 
it's in pricing uh it's it's impacting the pricing of, of mortgage-backed securities of servicing of all kinds of things loan level price adjustments so uh you know just get used to it and, and you're gonna have to deal with it so whether you believe in it or not well, well america had never been more polarized ever it's crazy like you know you it, it, it's because you put anything out there any kind of opinion on anything and climate change or oh, any yeah. issue it's like you can't one of my general philosophies in life is always to try to like avoid extremes right to see both sides to be in the middle you don't watch fox news you don't watch msnbc you try to find something that is in the middle uh you try not to just have opinions that are one way regardless but the country we live in a bunch of different factors uh, really has kind of gone the other way so i i know i mean i just bought this tie here in Manhattan, doing doing some updating in my wardrobe while I'm here. I'm sure I'll get hundreds of, of emails saying they don't like the tie. But anyway, that aside. Speaking of trying to live your life in the middle and to be in the middle, the regulatory climate in the mortgage industry, never in the middle. Either there's no regulation or there's insane, terrifying amounts of regulation. And, uh, you know, those that want, uh, are terrified, uh, more ammo for that. Uh, not in as much that CFPB uh, filed a lawsuit against TransUnion. It, it seems like what they're suing them for is probably true and probably has validity and is probably uh, worthwhile of a lawsuit. But the language in the they issued a press release <laughs> bragging that they were suing TransUnion went on to call them an out of control repeat offender that was unwilling or incapable of operating lawfully while participating in dark and deceptive practices. Katie Klaus from People's Mortgage was my co-host on Last Week in Mortgage Today on Tuesday. She's like, it was reading like something like from a Sith Lord uh, from Star Wars, the, the language that was in this press release. <laughs> He's really trying to make a point. You know, and I love anytime that there's a CFPB column, they find these just angry pictures of Chopra where he looks like he's like gritting his teeth and, you know, that he's he's just about to like kick a random mortgage CEO in the nuts. That's kind of a sexist statement, Rich, but we'll let it go. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the thing about the TransUnion case, and you're right, I mean, the, the verbiage about un, unwilling or incapable of, I think we should all start using that with, our relatives, our children, you know, are you unwilling or incapable of cleaning your room or eating your vegetables, whatever it might be. Uh, the, the responses that I saw from folks out there, maybe I'm sure it wasn't a random sample, but the thinking was, and I have a letter in my commentary tomorrow that summed it up pretty nicely, that until Congress can do something about this whole credit process, you know, who owns their credit information. Who, you know, should it be turned over to a, a credit bureau? What role do credit rating agencies play in this? Can borrowers should they should they own their own data? And so, when asked to to divulge it to to uh, have a loan approved, should they be the ones doing that? How should it work? And Congress, you know especially the Senate, you know, the, where the average age is 88 and they don't even know what a credit report is to ask Congress to do anything remains to be seen. So this letter, the writer of this letter was saying that maybe the CFPB is in the best position to, to deal with some of these irregularities and some of these problems in the credit reporting uh, space. 
I, I don't mean to single out, you know, the, the credit bureaus or the credit reporting agencies, but, you know, it's similar to what we see in the appraisal business. I get, I receive letters all the time about when, when are we going to fix the appraisal process? You know, my son just graduated with a degree in whatever, and, uh, you know, he's not going to become an appraiser because he doesn't want to be an apprentice for a couple of years. Again, somebody is going to p- compete with him and so forth. The credit credit uh, world is probably something else that needs to be taken care of or at least examined. And I think as this, as this writer pointed out, maybe the CFPB yeah. is in a good position to do it. Yeah. So I, it's just the rhetoric, you know, like I, I, you know, there's a lot of good in what they're doing and you know me, I, I <clears throat> joke all the time about Chopra, but I'm a big believer that especially our members, they need a strong CFPB much more at risk uh, with one that's not watching the biggest lenders in America. And, uh, but it just seems like the rhetoric is a little, little unnecessary. And it just, it creates this, like, you know, the regulatory community should want to work with the lending community. And it's not making these comments about the lending community, but it just, it impacts, you know, people like me making jokes about it. It, it, it just, you know, not necessary in my opinion, but. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. And I mean, I, I don't know, maybe, you know, or maybe people in the credit business know, maybe, Maybe TransUnion is especially, uh, you know, especially bad, or they want to make an example of TransUnion. We don't know what was going on behind the scenes because it looked like it had been going on a number of years, and so we don't know what was going on to lead the CFPB to lash out like that. Because lash out, they certainly did. Yeah. This is the Rundown with Rob and Rich. I'm Rich Swarinski with the Mortgage Collaborative, uh, joined, as always, by Rob Crisman. And uh, we've been talking about rates a lot, but it continues to be a big story in the industry. The 10-year at a new high. Who would have thought that the 30-year fixed rate would be 200 basis points higher than United Wholesale stock price? I mean, who who would have predicted that one? (laughs) Aren't you going to say, Rob? Your boy, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) You guys go to McDonald's to get lunch all the time, right? (laughs) So it's just crazy. I mean, you got 30-year fixed rates, five and a half for a lot of people right now. You know, let me just say this about United Wholesale, Rich. Uh, Hang on here. Let me me just say this about UWM. I'm looking up there through the magic of my smartphone. If you were to buy United Wholesale stock, you could earn a 10.3% dividend. So 10.3% dividend at uh, United Wholesale. Uh, but when you look at all the public companies, you know, Loan Depot, uh, you know, whatever, 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 Home Point, they're all, they're all down quite a bit. But so getting back to uh, what you were talking about. So I didn't mean to interrupt. Didn't mean to Go ahead. Yeah, it's just uh, no real question. Was just making note that the 10 years at a new high this year, uh, right. 282, five year 279. It's, uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I think I think the, the point I try to make to audiences is that the, <clears throat> it's not the fact that the rates have gone up necessarily because we all knew. Ooh. Oh, I'm near the I'm near the subway. Can you tell? Uh, oh boy! Uh, <laughs> break into my Rodney Dangerfield routine. But anyway, we all knew rates were going to go up, and we all knew 
deep down inside that 30-year rates weren't going to be in the twos forever. So rates have gone up. I think what has surprised the industry is the speed at which rates have gone up. And it's almost kind of this knee-jerk reaction. It's the fact, as you pointed out a number of times, the Federal Reserve is trying to play catch-up and they've they basically dropped the ball. And that's the feeling that I get out there, the feeling among my investment banker friends that you know it's, it's a big game of catch-up now. And you know, the Fed, Fed presidents are going to be out there speaking and talking about raising this much or that much and this much and that much. The fact of the matter is inflation is out of control at this point. And the Federal Reserve, whose job it is to help promote economic stability in the United States, having a seven or eight or nine percent inflation rate is not economic stability. So what are they going to do about it? And so raising rates, obviously, is part of that, because when you raise rates, it makes economic decisions more difficult to actually execute. And, and the example that I give folks is that if you are a family in an apartment, and I know I've used the traditional family in the apartment example many times, but if it at two and three quarters and your rent is 2000 a month at a two and three quarters, you can get your monthly payment is only 1700. It's going to be easier to pull that trigger than if rates were at, you know, five and a half percent and your monthly payment has gone up to 2300 and your rent is 2000 you still want to own a home but it's not quite that economic does it's not so straightforward economically and it's more of a sales job for a loan officer to say well here's why you're better off at 2300 than $2000 the rates have gone up we knew rates were going to go up the speed that they went up is what caught a lot of people off guard and so now we're playing catch up. And I'll tell you, Rich, I, I think that I speak for a lot of folks out there. The, the situation is pretty dire in terms of companies and loan officers who have based their business on refis. If you were doing 70, 80, 90% refis over the last couple of years, you had a good couple of years and I hope you saved your money and I hope you didn't invest it in publicly held mortgage stocks because you know that's gone away but if you are a an, a lender or a originator who has continued to foster relationships with realtors with with financial planners with divorce attorneys with you know remodeling companies with contractors etc cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera, that's where things are going to benefit you at the expense of some of your some of your competitors out there. So it's a changed environment. I'm, I'm getting a lot of emails saying, boy, I don't know if I'm going to make it, that kind of thing. And, and that's pr primarily from originators, Rich. It's not so much from lenders. Lenders are, are cutting back as fast as they can, I think, and trying to make their originators more efficient and their op staff more efficient. But it's almost like the Fed. You know, a lot of folks are trying to are almost playing catch up at this point in terms of efficiency and in terms of continuing to make their margins. It's tough out there. It's a very tough environment. And, you know, it's going to, we're going to see a lot of shakeout, I think, this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, byproduct of the run up in rates that you just alluded to, ARM is making a comeback. We've been talking about this most recent MBA application survey, seven and a half percent of all new apps on adjustable rate mortgages. I've talked to some of our members this week uh, saying 15, 20% of new apps this week on ARMS. I tell you right now, if you're a mortgage lender and you just have access to, you know, 
uh, Fanny, Freddie, and conventional and standard Gubby outlets. Um, make that a priority right now, uh, trying to find good outlets in the secondary market, if it's adjustable rate product or other products that are beco- going to become a bigger piece of the pie uh, as we as we get into the year. Because uh, at five and a half, 30 year fixed rate, and I, an arm should be, it's it's very viable. Very three, five year arm, way people move around. I think I think one of the issues with the arm market right now is that the investor interest in arms or in mortgage-backed securities backed by adjustable rate mortgages is, is, is limited at best, uh, nil at worst. But the the arm pricing, when you talk about seven and a half, eight percent of the apps being adjustable rate mortgage apps, I think a lot of those are going to financial institutions, you know, the B of A's, the Wells, the Cities, the Chases, the U.S. banks, the fifth thirds and so forth. It's not so much the independent mortgage banks applications that are showing those adjustable rate mortgage loans. I'd say it's more of the more of the you know the credit unions and the depositories who are out there. And they've got an inside track on some of that product because in many cases they like having arms in their portfolio. So it'll be interesting to see how if the independent mortgage banks and catch up with adjustable rate mortgage production to the banks. Yeah, and, and I, I think the R market's going to come back. And so I remember like the late 90s, early 2000s, we were in this similar rate climate, 30 or fixed rates in the, the mid fives, high fives, and pretty robust ARM secondary market developed. Remember selling a bunch to Dime and Wamu and others that went away or got swallowed up. Um, but it was really competitive. And I think it will be competitive because I think the thing that you've seen with our industry over the last 10 years, especially, is the credit quality has just continued to get better. I think there's a lot of factors, more conservative underwriting criteria in general, people, uh, homeowners and buyers understanding their credit better. Um, and just, I think, a lot of the technology that's emerged over the last decade in the mortgage industry, it's weeded out a lot of the bad loans, like fraud for sure, but even you know other things on loans that would still make it to the finish line that make them less than perfect credit. Uh, I think that, in my opinion, the credit risk part of mortgage, especially with this really, really strong and resilient labor market in America, um, it's better quality product. And man, if I'm an investor that's buying assets, I love ARMS because you know they're fixed for three, four, five years, seven in some cases, one in some cases, but then you've got an asset that is constantly adjusting to a spread over some sort of index. So it's it's a great asset for investors down if you believe in the credit quality. Yeah, I, I agree. The credit quality, well, that's, another, that's a whole breakout Rich and Rob show discussion about credit quality and whether lenders are sliding down the credit curve again. And uh, I'm not gonna have that discussion right now, but yeah, I, w- I would agree in general with you with the ability to repay and the loan to values being what they are and just, borrowers having reserves and certainly at this point equity uh, for refis, I think I think we're in much better shape. Owners of mortgage-backed securities are in much better shape than you know, 2008, 2010. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I'm an investor, I'm taking the 200 basis point spread on mortgage backs over treasuries right now because me personally, I'm a believer in just the repay factor. And now you got you know less likelihood of early prepayment because of the rate climate. So 
we'll see what happens there. But my hope and my guess is that uh, a, a stronger armed secondary market develops. Uh, a couple of comments in the chat, one about the climate change thing and uh, Bob saying, uh, when will we stop lending on Florida coastal property as oceans rise? It seems to make sense. Uh, and uh, our newest member, Tom Sattler, the Equitable Bank, Equitable Bank out of Wisconsin, uh, two to one portfolio arms uh, versus sold loans in March and same in April. This is a new member of ours, a community bank in Wisconsin, does a good amount of portfolio lending using that is an advantage of theirs. And then he says, is so for the problem with Fannie and Freddie not using arms? I just don't think Fannie and Freddie are ever going to be viable buyers of adjustable rate product uh, for a bunch of different reasons. I, Rob, I, you've been around much longer than me. I don't know your thoughts. I don't know. Yeah, Rich, uh, during the Eisenhower administration, <laughs> the, uh, uh, you know, they, I don't know if arms are their sweet spot either. I don't think they've ever been great adjustable rate buyers, you know, that, that they, I don't think they view them necessarily as non-QM, but they view their sweet spot as 30 year and 15 year and, you know, let the, let the arms go elsewhere to, to the finance, to the depositories or to private label uh, issues. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see them like becoming a cutting edge, you know, investor outlet for adjustable rate mortgages. Yeah. <clears throat> a couple other pieces of news this week, more evidence of home buyers relocating uh, away from the high priced areas uh, like where you live, Rob, and to more affordable man of the people areas uh, like where I live. Uh, just you're continuing to see population oh. migration uh, to lower priced areas. Rents, 20 percent up year over year. Rents just keep going up. No, no surprise there. Why would they not with what's going on with uh, home values to buy a house? But looking for some good news, and we've had to dig deep at times uh, these last few months to find good news. Lumber prices at all-time lows uh, for 2022. Are you excited about that, Rob? Lumber prices are what? All-time highs or lows? Uh, year year two thousand lows for 2022. So still high by relative standards, but the lowest they've been this year. So. Sorry, big big truck was here. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, lumber prices. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Let's let's harvest the forest, like uh, you know that session we had or you had at uh, uh, at, at in Miami with the uh, home builder talking about forest management in the United States. Crazy. Hundred trees per acre considered healthy, and according Jerry, to Jerry. You know, the National Home Builders. Forests all over America with, with three, four hundred trees per acre, three to four times the healthy level that yeah. I'm allowed to get into because uh, there's a squirrel in there, evidently. So, Rich, you're going to the game tonight, right now. As soon as we hang up, do the board of directors have to approve this? You're leaving kind of early, aren't you, on a Friday? Uh, do you, do, is that like PTO? No, it's, you know, I, I will start working early, honestly. I, it, uh, I mean, I, you know, no, I don't got to get it approved. <laughs> I approved it. Amy approved it. Thanks, Amy. Well, there, yeah. You're free to go. Did you hear a voice? This is, honestly, is I think it's either my 39th or 40th consecutive uh, Indian slash Guardians opening day. Uh, I, I really? Yeah, I've been to every one since I've been five or six. I don't remember exactly when, but uh yeah, the tradition. Got my son and one of his buddies and uh, my girlfriend's son. Uh, we're we're heading down to uh, 
for the festivities uh, shortly here. So very good, very mm-hmm. good. Well, uh, I so I, 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 I show uh, Gramercy Park again. It's uh, you know it's, it's it's nice. It's nice, and anybody who's going to the to the national conference next month, uh, Times Square. Godforsaken Times Square, I recommend getting out of that area a little bit to see what the rest of Manhattan can offer. Fellow transplanted Clevelander Dave Conway uh, saying go Cavs and I Cavs also playing in the playing game against the Hawks. This game scares me tonight. Um, Hawks are starting to roll. Jared Allen 50-50, but uh, we'll see. I really, it's weird for the Cavs. <clears throat> if the Cavs lose, they keep their first round pick because it's lottery protected. Um, which would be good. But if they win, you get playoff experience for a, a young group that needs it against the Heat, who actually is the matchup I like the best. So we'll see what happens there, Rob. Any weekend, how long are you in the Big Apple? I'm here until Monday, and then I go down to Atlanta for a uh, NBA Stratmore peer group session, and then to the Great River Conference uh, toward the end of next week. That's a great conference. I can't make it this year, but uh, that is one I, I enjoy. They do a really, really good job with it. It's like four states together. It's lots of lenders. Uh, do a good job with it. And it was kind of, man, I was like uh, MBA Tech this week. Some of the reports were uh, the vendor to lender ratio was a little askew, but uh, it, uh, yeah, so, but uh, the Great River is kind of the opposite. They, they do a really good job with that. So um, you're going to be at the Texas MBA? I'm not. Are you? Yeah, I'm going to that one. And then the Mark, the Mid-Atlantic Regional in uh, Maryland, D.C., National Harbor, which is good. And then secondary, of course, at the aforementioned uh, Marriott Marquis in Times Square. So, but. Yep. All right. Excellent. We'll have well, fun tonight at the game. Go Guardians. I decided I'm not going to be one of these angry people that refuses to embrace change, you know, adapt or die. I'm, I'm, I'm riding with the guardians and, uh, uh, remember rich, remember change is mandatory, but oh my gosh, what's the, what's, how's that? What's that? Uh, oh my gosh, Tony Robbins change changes, uh, changes mandatory, but progress is optional. So there you go. <laughs> All right. There's, there's something pithy to end the week. Poignant, uh, poignant note to end the week on. Yeah. So Rob, uh, Enjoy the weekend to all of our viewers, listeners. Uh, thanks for wrapping up the week with us. Uh, as always, we'll upload this to our YouTube page and uh, turn it into a podcast that uh, you'll see in the Apple Spotify podcast uh, feed if you subscribe to TMC Connect on either shortly here. And uh, until next Friday, have a happy Easter weekend and a great next week, everyone. Take care. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.